I'm about to feed them to the sharks right now. Get them hype right now. Yeah. You know the ground is our. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it, and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it go. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game. You're feeling the growth. That's time on the mat. We put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. You know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Let's roll. Welcome to this episode of the BHJ Campaign Podcast. My name's Jeff Boone. I'm an A3 blue belt, four stripes. Phil Kors, A2 purple belt. And I am Ryan Mickler, A2 blue belt. Welcome, Ryan, to the podcast. Glad to be here. This is awesome. This is awesome. And we're at Origin Camp, for those of you who don't know that right now, the best week of the year, I believe. And Ryan comes to us from Order of Man uh, podcast. It's all about making men better men. And uh, I was talking to him a little bit before we started and said, you know, um, I mean, our, our following's similar in size, um, maybe by 1% of what your following is, but, um, but uh, I don't know about that. It's, it's true. Uh, but, but you, our audience benefit from our failures because we share them with you. You kind of do that in being a man yeah, and, try and, to. and, and going, talk a little bit about that if you will. Yeah. Well, I started order of man, uh, six years ago and they don't say it so much anymore, but a lot of people you say, you know, what, what makes you qualified to talk about what it means to be a man? And my response is I, the only thing that I guess makes me qualified is a, I'm a man. And B, I have a desire to help other people. And that's it. Like, I've never put myself out there and said that I'm better than you or better than anybody else or I'm the epitome of masculinity. It's just that I have some things I want to figure out and learn when it comes to being a better father and husband and leader in my community. And I might have some things figured out. Other people might have other things figured out, but let's just do it together. So I feel like I have a responsibility to share the things I know, uh, but also talk about the things I don't know. And if I talk about that, then maybe somebody else will share something with me or somebody with my audience. And we all do this together that rather than just having me at the head of this organization that pretending like I'm better than everybody else. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And, uh, and, and shout out to Chris Plemons, one of our training partner. He's a huge fan of yours. So he's going to, he's going to awesome. love this episode. Awesome. But if I recall correctly, was it 2018 or 2019, your first year here? 2018. Yeah, I came out here. Pete invited me out here. Uh, he was doing a little bit of sponsorship with the uh, with with our podcast at the time. We got introduced through mutual friends, uh, and I think I went to maybe maybe five classes before I came out here in 2018 and See, spent the full week out here. It was crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy to me now too, yeah. thinking about it. But is it? If yeah, I, I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know what it was about. I spent a week out here just. I felt like I got destroyed. <laughs> I still feel like that. That hasn't changed. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty cool to be able to come out here and spend a week without really knowing too much about this world of jujitsu. And you know, now I'm very immersed in the world. Yeah. Tell me this, uh, from that experience, did you, um, did, did you, did it kind of take a little bit to settle, settle in and then you, you figured fell in love with it right away or, or it took a little bit of time and then you started training or. Yeah. I, I wish I could, I wish I had the story where I was like, I instantly knew and you know, love at first sight and I immediately, and, and everything's been amazing since, but it actually wasn't like that. So I trained, 
uh, like I said, five or six times, came to immersion in 2018. I actually fell in love with the area more than jujitsu. Right. And I was sending my wife pictures. I'm like, check this out. This is cool. Like, look at this lake. Look at this place. And at the time we had talked about wanting to maybe move and just go on a bit of an adventure with our, with our four kids. And so, yeah. uh, she said, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's beautiful now. Like it's not winter. So we had Pete invited us out and we went, we came back in the winter, uh, and she fell in love with it in the winter. She fell in love with it, which wow. is crazy for her, especially, uh, and yeah, so then we, we went, so it was our first trip to Maine, my second trip to Maine and we put an offer in on a place out here. <laughs> that is and, wild. Yeah. Wild. Cause across the country, right? You guys from were Utah, Utah, right? Yeah. So literally across the country. Uh, and so we spent about six months getting packed up and getting everything in, in order and all our affairs taken care of and moved her and me and the family over here. But when I got back from jujitsu on that, that first camp, I actually stopped training altogether mm-hmm. because life, right? Sure. We're all busy. We all have our own things. You fall into your default patterns and habits. And so I stopped training altogether, maybe sporadically here and there, but sure. that's about it. And then when we got out here to Maine, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be around Pete and origin and the guys. And so I've been training for two and a half, just under two and a half years solid at this point Mm -hmm. because I have the support structure and the system to be able to tap into. Yeah. Like if that wasn't there for me, I don't know that I'd be training right now. Yeah. No, are your boys training too? Uh, yeah. Well, all four of my kids are up until COVID and that kind of sidetracked and derailed things. But yeah, I've got four kids. So I've got 13, 10, eight and five. And my 13 year old, says, unfortunately, he doesn't love it as much as he loves to, uh, he's, he's into powerlifting. Sure. In fact, in, yeah, exactly. I don't, I would love for him to like jujitsu. He does like it. I'd love for him to love it. But as long as he's doing something and he's making himself better physically, mentally, emotionally, I'm good with that. So he's got his first meet in, uh, November. So that's really cool. Um, my second is a little tear. My third, my girl, she's a little terror. And then my, my youngest, uh, he's five and he is a destroyer. It's not just a terror, like he's a destroyer. So we'll wake up and he'll usually in the morning, if I'm not awake, he'll go, you know, jump on the hope chest and like from the top ropes, like flying elbow into my ribs. And that's how I wake up, which is awesome. Uh, and then he's like, let's wrestle, let's play. We have little mats that we have up in the front room. He's like, dad, let's go wrestle. So yeah, they're all pretty active. That's awesome. Yeah. You did a project recently, which much respect to you that looked like a, that looked like a tough one is a building handmade canoe. Yeah. So we're not done with it, by the way, we still have more work. Yeah. Yeah. I know you have a little bit, but still you've come a long, long, I think it's beautiful. Can you, can you give us any parallels to like, like, look, you started, you you were brand new at Jiu Jitsu Mm -hmm. whenever you went in, you just dove in. I'm, I'm guessing you had no prior canoe making experience. None, none, very little woodworking, no canoe making experience, none of that kind so of stuff. So you just jump into this to, to kind of you build a bond with your son, right? Yeah. I mean, I've always thought if you have an idea, regardless of how crazy it is, whether it's building a canoe or starting jujitsu or growing a business or whatever, if you have an idea, you at least owe it to yourself to try, mm-hmm. to see, to figure it out. And so... Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was sitting on the lake in a, like a, one of those plastic lifetime canoes, you know what I'm talking like the neon yeah, green yeah. canoes. 
and cause we were out of the lake for the day with my family and I'm just thinking to myself, it's kind of, it was, it was dusk and it was, it was beautiful, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, this would be way cooler in a canoe that we built. And so I spent a bunch of time researching and it wasn't cheap to buy everything, the material and the plans. Yeah, you're and not, it's not a bargain. That's no, not a bargain. No, <laughs> it's way cheaper to go buy the $400 kayak from Lifetime or whatever. After, what do you mean? Like COVID, I heard wood got really expensive. Oh, uh, I think I got it. It was, it was in the middle of COVID. Okay. Yeah. Cause we started after the whole COVID thing. Okay. Yeah. So we bought, we bought everything. And I told my wife, I'm like, I'm going to build a canoe. And she's like, <sighs> she rolled her eyes cause she knew. I'm guessing she does that quite a bit. All the time. <laughs> and because if I say I'm going to do something, the, the latest one I told her, and I'll tell you guys this right now is I was out mowing the lawn. This was probably a month or two ago and I'm mowing the lawn and I, and I hear this helicopter coming and it's like flying really low over our yard and I'm on our, our zero turn. Have you guys ever been on a zero turn? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, good. So I'm on the zero turn, just enjoying this helicopters flying over me. And I got this idea. I'm like, I need a helicopter. (laughs) Like I have to have a helicopter. And cause we've got a little bit of land out here in Maine and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm going to put a pad right in the middle of the field and I need a helicopter. Boom. Yeah. So I finished mowing the lawn and I go inside and I, hon, I'm going to buy a helicopter. She's like, Ugh. so that's, that's going to be, that's not an immediate thing. Of course you but don't yet know how to fly. I don't know how to fly, <laughs> but if other Part people can figure it out, I can figure it I out. Build it. Build no, it. Don't build. Don't build the helicopter. Don't even. Don't please, even put that in my mind, don't, man. Because I, me. I hear you say that. I'm like, actually, that'd be pretty badass. <laughs> Same helicopter as everybody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I just figure if you have an idea, man, just go for it. it, it I didn't. Have, I didn't know how to build a canoe. I don't know how to fly a helicopter. I didn't know how to do jujitsu. But like other people figured it out. I'm not yeah. dumb. Like yeah. surely I can figure stuff out. Yeah. But I think it keeps a lot of people from doing things because they don't, they go into it thinking, well, I need to be the best or I need to have experience or I need, it's like saying, you know, I want to lose weight. Uh, and I, and I do want to go to the gym, but I'm really not going to go to the gym before I, you know, lose weight. It's like, well, that's the point. You go to the gym so you can lose weight. It's the same thing with experience. You know, people will say, and I don't think they'll say it. I don't think they'll vocalize it, but there's people who listen to this podcast, listen to my podcast who are thinking, you know, I'd, I'd really like to train jujitsu, but you know, I'm not going to be very good. So I don't think I will. That's ridiculous. Nobody's going to be good at <laughs> first folks. That's the, that's the thing. It's just a ridiculous thing to think, you know, I get it. You're trying to preserve your ego and all that. Like I get it. I, I, I've definitely been there, but yeah, you got to start somewhere. I was thinking, I got thinking about it the other day. I was thinking to myself, cause I'm always thinking about okay, what can I tweet or what can I say? And, um, I said, you can't be a, a, a badass unless you're willing to look like a dumbass. So true. <laughs> like you, you ha- like take anything. We're in this music room, like a master guitar player can't, you, you can't be slash unless you were, you know, the, the kid in second grade trying to figure out chords and your hands was too small to, to reach the chords, you know? So like you have to be willing to look like a fool if you want to progress in anything. Or in jujitsu, I'll never get good at barambolos if I don't start doing barambolos exactly. and get stuck. Right. You know? Well, and that's, that's actually something I'm finding too, is that as I train, there's, there's certain techniques and positions that I think just naturally play to my strengths or my mentality or, or maybe it's something I learned. And so I've gotten better at that than something else. And then what do we do? Well, we always go back to that thing because we know we can do it. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. our game doesn't improve. 
Right. The only way your game improves is take, you're actually risking. You have to risk something. Uh, you have to risk getting submitted or risk getting swept. And as you do, you're going to take a step back. And so that's threatening to a lot of people because our egos drive a lot of our decision-making. But if you want to get better, if you want to be that badass, you got to be willing to be a dumbass. Phil, tell Ryan about your theory on plateaus and their lack of existence when it comes to training. No, oh, not believe in plateaus. They don't exist. Explain that. Um, so I think the example that we went over the podcast was, I think we were talking about triangles or something. Yeah. And he felt like he plateaued. And, he had, and my point was that you never practiced them. Mm. So it's just impossible to have ever made any progress. Like you were practicing all the other stuff you like to do. Right. And you knew how to do a triangle, but you never applied it. Right. So there's no like flat. There's just nothing. Right. You, you haven't even started, let yeah. alone plateaued. Yeah. That makes sense. And Dean actually last night gave a, I think a really good example or whatever along the same lines of saying like learning how to write, you learn how to print and then you learn cursive mm -hmm. later on. Yeah, that's right. Bit, yeah. Uh, it's slower at first and becomes more efficient. And then later in life you learn how to type for the older people who used to do cursive and have to learn how to type in class, this one's going to be outdated really soon. If not already, yeah, I don't... Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I don't think they even yeah, do cursive anymore. But every time you learn a new way of, of writing to typing, you know, you, you drop down. Yeah, of course. become efficient with it. And then it's, you know, much, much more improved later right. on. So I thought that was a great way to kind of put the same thing. And the steep portion of that learning curve may not always be there, right? Because cause if you're working, you know, the higher up you get, I think those, I think those um, elevations in your game are, are much smaller and less detectable, but, but definitely just as important as the, the big leaps. Totally. Well, and I think you learn how to learn too, yeah. right? Cause we're stubborn. You know, I know, well, take jujitsu. Like when I started two and a half years ago, like really going solid, my way is not going to work. Yeah. You know, a lot of us go into certain things and we think, Oh, I'm just going to do it my way. Well, your way sucks. Like if you were where you wanted to be, then you wouldn't be here trying this new thing. And so you're here trying this new thing, which means that you're not totally satisfied with your way of doing it. Mm -hmm. So same thing with coming to a camp like this. If you felt like you were the pinnacle of your jujitsu journey, you wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, why, why, why would you come out here? Why would you spend a week? Why would you spend the time and the money and the investment and all that stuff? Well, you're here for a reason. So you might as well try it a new way. You can always default back to your way, mm -hmm. but at least try it your way or excuse me, some, a, a different way that might help you get a little further down the track. And the biggest illustration of that is the people who are here that are the experts, you'll see them after class jotting down notes from other people. Totally. Like it's, it never, the it, best of the best. It yeah. Never stops. Yeah. You know, Ricardo Laborio, who's eighth, I don't even know. It's really high. Mm -hmm. black you, I saw him writing down notes from what Jocko was Say, I'm like, that's, that's a lifelong right. and an illustration of what you had. It was maybe not too long ago in your, um, Friday field notes. And that was about, um, don't always try to hit the home run, mm. you know, try to get small wins. And I think that's what jujitsu is all about. I mean, you think about it whenever you're, you, when you're first time here five, all you wanted to do was know how to get out of side control. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I mean, that's all you wanted to right. know. That would be a small win. If you could just breathe in side control, <laughs> you know, for a little bit, yeah. I think that, that jujitsu throughout the way 
is about small wins. And, um, so well, the thing too on that is, so we, uh, most of us, I think focus on the, the home runs, like you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Like we want the big sexy results and all that. Right. Place, yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's what we want. And, and so if you take about, if you take it, did you, either of you guys play baseball? Yes. Okay. So anytime you swung for the fence, you know, your coach is always like, stop swinging for the fence, like swing the bat correctly. So it was more about the mechanics of your swing than it was trying to rip one out of the park. Ironically is that the more that you focus on the mechanics of the swing, the more home runs you'll hit. Of course. And, and the same is true with jujitsu. If you focus on the fundamentals of the technique and the way you're doing things and have your hand here and your foot's there and your wrist is here and you're focused on the fundamentals, you're going to hit more home runs and the home runs are maybe you catch somebody who's better than you. Or, you know, maybe you land a submission that you've never landed before, or, uh, you survive around with somebody who, who perpetually submits you, mm-hmm. you know, like that will happen if you focus on the, 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 the singles, which is the technique over the result of what the technique will produce. Yeah. Or even defending if somebody's got your back, you know, and they're good, you know, we have these guys that are really good that, that, that we roll with and. Even if you say, all right, if I can just get a minute and defend for mm-hmm. at least a minute, right. that's a win. Right. You know? And then you get better. Then, then they help you with your technique that you're, that you're looking at, help you with your scapes, right. and you, you end up getting better. Or even starting with somebody on your back. We do it all the right? time. Like if, if, the if, that's, if that's where you're weak, most guys are like, well, I'm just not going to give up my back. Okay, well, that's a good strategy. <laughs> but somebody at some point is going to get your back. So maybe you ought to start from your back and learn how to defend it and also work on not letting people get your back, but you got to round out your game. Yeah. Can you share with the audience maybe some of the principles? Because I always look at it this way. We're always learning to learn. Like Phil and I talked about this earlier, and that was that um, when we come here, we always try to be like, all right, how are we going to do it this year? How are we going to take notes? Mm-hmm. Like, how are we going to maximize yeah. our benefit from this camp? Yeah. And we, we always take notes and we decided we're not recording anything unless it's like a fifth time for him right. doing it and, uh, or any of the instructors doing the technique. And it's something that we really, really want to, to take home. Yeah. And, and honestly, that pressure of not having to film and do all that stuff actually made the techniques absorb a little bit better. I, there's more presence and in, in being there and present in the right. moment right yeah right. i get so that that's something we don't we'd been to two before and this one is totally different in that way and i feel like we're going to retain more is there any any little tips or tricks that that you have like especially maybe it's preparing for coming to camp or preparing for such yeah. an overload of, of of technique and other things i, I don't know if i'm I, I don't know that I'm qualified to give this advice, but I'll, I'll say it this way is I felt very much the same way at the beginning of, of, of this camp. And I remember we were, uh, Danny was our instructor mm-hmm. and he was, uh, working some different, uh, collar ties, right? Just yep. like grabbing collars and lapel stuff, yeah. lapel. Right. And so one of them was a, uh, lapel drag essentially mm-hmm. where you kick the knee out and do a lapel drag. Mm-hmm. That was the second technique he showed the first one was basically the same setup but i spent like 30 minutes i was lying in my bed the other night thinking what was that first thing he showed showed us Armbar. right but it took i could not i could not it's remember overload. i'm like what 
in five minutes I had lost it. And so, uh, I was talking with Pete and I told him the exact same thing. And, and I said, I just feel like there's so much I can't retain all of it. And he said, this is what he told me. So this is the advice I would give. And it's helped over the past couple of days. He said, you don't need to walk away with everything. Like the, the goal of camp is not to walk away with like 22 techniques that you're masterful at. But he said, if you can pull out one or two or three elements of the week that you can incorporate into your game, then that's a success. So for me, uh, De La Hiva has been the thing that I, I want to learn. I want to learn that game. I want to learn more about it. I want to learn how to utilize it and, and to maximize it, which is, which is a, a gap in my current game. Mm-hmm. So that's really all I'm focused on. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to learn tips and tricks and little things here and there, but for the most part, that's what I'm focused on. And because I have that focus, I'm going to hear that instruction differently. Uh, when we're on the open mat, I'm going to be able to, to work that a little bit more as I can, but not to take everything and just to break it down into what exactly you want to take out of it. Even if it's just one or two or three things. And even if it's just a small detail and God, I hope our professor John's not, uh, listening to this because I'm sure he's probably said this 700 times to us <laughs> and we never picked it up. You or I either one. And that was, um, Alexi, whenever he broke the guard, stood up and turned his knees in. Right. Like, so that you couldn't get that muscle sweep or whatever you call it, whatever you want to call it. But whenever you break the guard and like, it was immediate whenever, whenever you turn him in, it's like, oh my God, this is horrible. I'm, I'm getting ready to pass, right. you know, or be passed if you're on the bottom. And so that was one of the little things. And again, I'm sure he's told us <laughs> probably hundreds of times, but you know, that those, those little things, those little details are, are what really, you know, take your game to the next level. And Phil, what was your, what was your take home of the week? What? Yeah. What, what technique specifically? I like that. Dan- I like Danielle's move. Yeah, that was crazy. She showed that. And, uh, I was the first like seven times she showed it. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't understand what you're doing. This then is like said, magic. Then they said, just do the entry. <laughs> and even still, I was like, okay, that's too advanced for me too. <laughs> and she is, she was amazing, yeah, but that's also not so my game. That's a gap in my well, game. You know, she, so. to her, uh, benefit she is number four in the world right (laughs) right (laughs) i was amazed with her um she was very serious right as she was showing the Mm -hmm. technique and she was hyper aware of uh every little nuance of it did you guys notice that absolutely especially whenever she she uh whenever she went under she was in it was from an x guard a a, um, knee bar from x guard and every time she would say the same thing, right? She would say, and you have to raise your butt, your hips mm-hmm. up to get close mm-hmm. to the leg. And like, that's what everybody did wrong. Right. Whenever they went right, right back to it. Cause Phil, I, same thing. We did that wrong. And she said it every single time. Yeah. And then when she came around or, or I think Leah came around and kind of corrected us on that. But yeah. So the one that the part of what she said that stood out to me is she, so she goes for, well, she basically is getting her opponent off, off balance. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as her opponent puts his hand on the mat, she's like, see, that's the signal to go. Yeah. And she said that, that's what I heard her say yeah. is every time she's like, see, he just put his hands on the mat. That's, that's, that's my signal. Just put his hands on his mat. That's the signal. So yeah. she was very, very precise mm-hmm. on the entire technique each step of the technique pretty amazing was pretty amazing there's been so much i mean the techniques there's been so much but just a little stuff like the 
the choke that Laborio show, showed, the, the modified uh, guillotine, it wasn't a guillotine choke, it was where he put his hand on top of his wrist and, and gave a nice little choke there. Yeah. I, mean, I, never, I never seen that Yeah. Yeah. It's just such a simple, simple concept. Yeah. Um, what would your recommendation be for someone who's, who, who was like you, right? Looking for something for a challenge, right? right? Looking right. for a challenge. And, um, and they, they see this camp and they say, oh, man, I don't, I don't know. That seems like a lot of pressure, maybe a little more money than they want to spend, but, but maybe it is in their budget. What would you say to, to those folks out there that, that, that were just thinking about getting into it? Uh, what would you tell them to do? To, are, you, are you asking about them just wanting to get into jujitsu in general? Yes. Yeah. So, so I would, I would say two things. Cause a lot of people ask me this because they've seen me get into it over the past several years. And so I have a lot of people in our audience who want to get into, into jujitsu and they have questions like, what should I, yeah. I get the question. I understand the question. I don't really totally like the question because I think it leads to overthinking. Like what, what I'm going to my first class tonight. What do I need to know? Nothing. Just go to your first class. Yeah. Like there's oh, nothing yeah. you need to know. Like just go. And and so I've spent a lot of time thinking about this question because I'm like, well, what, like, what do they want to know? What, what, what it is, is they're nervous, mm-hmm. right? So they're like, and, and what do we, what do we do as human beings? Well, we're, we're constantly trying to mitigate risk. So what are we afraid of? Well, we're afraid of things we don't understand, right? So when you sign up for jujitsu, you don't understand jujitsu. Everybody else around you, you think is, understands it and knows it. You don't, so you feel like you're going to be a loser. You don't get it. You're worried. You're, you're afraid. I get it. I, I am too. And so what do we do? We try to mitigate the risk by filling in all the little variables. Well, what time? What's the agenda like? What's this? What's that? Just don't worry about it. You, uh, you've hit two different things. Earlier, you, you mentioned like wanting to lose weight before mm-hmm. starting. And Jeff was like 100-something pounds heavier than he is now when he started. And he told wow. the instructor... When he was signing up, he talked to John. Uh, we trained with, under John Plyler uh, in Denver and uh, North Carolina, and he said, "You know, I'm thinking about starting. I'm going to lose some weight." And he's like, "Yeah, just just join, and you'll lose. The you'll weight. lose weight, and for so sure." He started. Was right. Yeah. But later that same day, was it the same day or was it the next day or whatever? Yeah, same, day. same day. So this over preparedness or trying to not look like an idiot. The guy pulls up and he's in the parking lot watching a YouTube video on how to tie his belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just you, uh, folks. Ask, you, you by know. the way, you don't need to do that. They'll they'll actually teach you how to. Do I did belt. this. I actually did the same. <laughs> I, I did the exact same thing. I did yes. the same thing. That is. I did it really for the first week, and then I knew how to tie my belt. Yeah. If, Every, yeah. And look, that that's not bad, and it's not even wrong. It's to me, it's actually an indicator that you care about it. Yeah. Like if you didn't care, that would be weird, but you do care. But we respond incorrectly and. And the incorrect response is that we over-prepare because then it turns into justification and rationalization. And then we talk ourselves out of things. I don't know how to tie my belt. Guess I can't go to class. <laughs> it sounds man. stupid, but I guarantee there's people no, who said yeah. it. I don't know I how to. Phil got that in his head. He would not go to class. He <laughs> so we're constantly trying to mitigate risk. But okay. So to go back to your question, I, I just think it's important. We, we talk about it from that concept because just. Don't worry about it. Just go to class. You're going to learn everything you need to learn. That's number one. But here's what I would say in the spirit of answering the question. You need to go with an open mind and you need to go with an open heart. It's those two things. So an open mind is 
you're not as bad as you think you are. You're not as good as you think you are. You're not as good of an athlete as you think you are. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna learn some new things. You have to be open and receptive to that. It's going to be uncomfortable and you have to be okay with that. That's the open mind component of it. And the open heart component of it is that you have to go for the right motive. And the right motive is to make yourself better. That's why you're there. Like you're not there to beat anybody up. You're not there to prove how good you are, or how awesome you are. You're, you're there to make yourself a better, more capable human being. And if you go into class with an open mind and an open heart, you're just going to enjoy the process so much better. I, one of the mistakes that I made early on and that I continue to make is this faulty, misguided expectations of myself. So I'm sure you guys experience this. You know, you have a bad class, right? Bad training. And you get down on yourself and you get frustrated. I do. But why are you frustrated? Like what, if you're frustrated, it's because you think you're better than you are and you're not meeting that expectation. Well, what gives you the right to think you're that good? <laughs> like, like when I go to class and I get beat up by a black belt, like what, why would I be frustrated about you that? You didn't earn the right to be that's, frustrated. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Like, of course that's how yeah. it's going to go. Of course. And because that individual has spent 10 to 15 years or whatever it is doing this and you've done it for two years. And so we put these weird expectations on our performance. And if we fail to meet these expectations, uh, what, what it ends up leading to is quitting. Yeah. Right. I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. This is not for me. I guess, you know, some people are cut out for this. I'm not cut out for this. And we start coming up with all these little weird narratives and scripts because we created these expectations. And I like the way that you said that we don't have the right to have. We haven't earned that right. No, no. And I would say one other thing on that note is that uh, I think Theodore Roosevelt said it, but comparison is the thief of joy. If you're getting upset because someone who's trained maybe, maybe, less years, but maybe more time on the mat, right? Or maybe, and you're, you know, and, and they're your nemesis or, or anything like that. First of all, you should squash that and get rid of that altogether. Sure, but, yeah. but comparison is the thief of joy. You're, this journey is a, a lifelong one. Yeah. And, um, it's not even though, you know, it's, you said somebody who's maybe less experienced or t- has more time on the mat there, there's, there's a, uh, I was going to say kid. He's, he's a, he's a young man. There's a young man that goes to our class. He's actually Pete's son, Keegan. Mm-hmm. And Keegan's a badass. Yeah. He's, he's really only been training heavy and solid for about a year. Sure. The kid's a badass. Yeah. And I have a, I have a hard time. Like he's a handful for me. Sure. And so it's easy to say, well, I mean, I've been training for three years. He's only been training for one. Right. I'm bigger than him. Right. So I'm like, well, I'm bigger. And he's like, why? Well, you know what? He's different. He's naturally, he's, he's more athletic than, than I am, but he also spends a lot of time watching video, breaking it down. Dice. I don't, I don't do that to the degree that he does. And he's got someone good to ask questions whenever he's home and, and, has and those to roll questions. with for sure. And to roll and train with. So there's a lot. So you're right. Like we pick all these things that we want to compare, but we don't know the entire story. And so we shouldn't do that. But there's another perspective on this. Mm-hmm. And so we've heard things like that, like comparison is the thief of joy. And so, but the other side of it is that we should be 
in a way, looking at other people's performance. So if we, if we train together, I don't think it's bad. In fact, I think it's healthy. Let's say you and I train to stack myself up against your performance, not, not to beat myself up, but as a litmus litmus test and a benchmark for what is possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if I say, well, he, you know, he did this and he did that. And how did he do this? And he caught me here. He caught me there. He defended this. I'm not comparing myself to you as much as I'm seeing how can I improve that way? How can I get better that way? Mm-hmm. And so I, again, it's, it's not about comparison, but we should definitely be using other people's performances as litmus tests for where we are and where we could be. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And, um, I would add one thing to that. And that is I was rolling with, uh, Luke black belt mm-hmm. last night and he's way smaller than me. Right. But he's so smooth and so very good, mm. you know, and, and it was funny because all through the role, especially whenever I'm going with an upper belt, I set a, I set a really low pace and I, I really want to study what kind of what their input is to what mm. I'm doing. And, and especially on the stuff that I'm working on now with some closed guard stuff, I want to see what they're doing to kind of break my posture and, and, and make things easier on mm. them to do. And so I was doing all that. And he was funny cause he was, he was like cheering me on the whole time, you know, like, like he would, he would go and he took my back and then he, he like one of these things I scrambled up and got out of a really bad position and, and had him in a single leg. And he literally does a rockets kick over my head and takes my back. I was like, I was just out of that. <laughs> and so, so, you know, what I would add is I would say, Hey man, afterwards I'd be like, can you show me that? Can right. You- can you make, can you make me better and make me right. better? Probably don't have the athleticism to do that, but, but you know, it's one of those things. If, if, if you're, if you're, you've got a good training partner, that's it, this is the best case scenario. If they're just a little bit better than you in most things, then learn from them. Right. You know, ask or even them. if they're not like, even if, you know, somebody has been training for a year, maybe he learned something at some point down the road that you never picked up on or ever learned. Like, Ask him, like, whoa, that was pretty cool. What'd you do right there? Yeah. Like, he's, he's going to show you. For you sure. Know? Like, you're both, you're both, he's going to be able to teach. You're going to be able to learn. You're going to pick that up. He's going to have to evolve. Like, everybody's going to get better. Agreed. Now, so, so, Phil has this aversion to cold therapy. He did mm. a little ice bath there the other night, right? So, do you have any tips on what I can do to persuade because you know I've tried all the things like like I think we're similar in the fact that I not that I like to do things that suck I have to do things that suck hmm. you, you know yeah, uh, yeah. That, that I'm not you know sauna cold sure bath, yeah the echo bike which is <laughs> devil bike so it's a horrible bike <laughs> <laughs> and 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 uh you know because I think that that's the only way to optimize myself. Right. You know, agreed. And I've explained all this to Phil, but he will still not do an ice bath. I, what I would do, there's no benefit in it. For me. Here's, okay. here's what I would do. I would get better at jujitsu than him. He is tie him <laughs> up and just throw him in the ice. That's what it's going to come down to. <laughs> Duct tape, bailing wire, yeah. you in the ice. I, I will say this, whether it's an ice bath or, well, here's a question I get all the time from people is I have a, I have a brother-in-law 
or my brother or my sibling or my coworker or whoever that's, uh, you know, they're, they're making bad decisions in life. And I'm not saying this is you, by the way, but no, he yeah. does. He makes terrible decisions. <laughs> he'll, he'll eat a whole so, 24 okay, pack so of cookies. It, okay. Yeah. So it is you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, you know, he's making bad decisions in life and he's not doing what he should be doing. And like, what can I do to help him? Well, sometimes the answer is nothing. And that's okay. Like we can all make our own decisions and we can all make our own choices and we can't always rescue people. Uh, you know, we can't always get them to do what we want them to do. And that's okay. You know, if, if we feel there's benefit in something, do it. And if they don't, that's okay. That's yeah. how I look at it. If you don't want to do an ice bath, don't do it. I don't care. Yeah. You know, still in favor of the duct tape and bailing wire. Well, I mean, definitely try that. That's my, that's my first answer. Cool. And my second answer was like, okay, if he doesn't want to, then don't. But the first answer is force him to do it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, Ryan, listen, man, we really appreciate you taking the time to be on the uh, show today. Yeah, man. Uh, tell everybody out there how to, uh, how to reach you, how to, how to, how to support you, how to, if they want to be a better man, uh, how they can do that. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that opportunity. Um, at Ryan Mickler on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're doing the social media thing, you can connect with you. That's right. Yep. Uh, and then you're listening to a podcast. So listen to the order of man podcast, wherever you're, wherever you're tuning in, just type it in and it'll come up. I think we're at almost 800 episodes. Like we're really like knocking right on 800 right now. So that's five. Is that Five, five years? Uh, it's, so we've been going for six years. Okay. So we started with one show per week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we moved to two shows per week. And then we moved to three shows per week. Wow. So we have three podcast, uh, three episodes per week at this point. Yeah. Not always, but at this point we, we have been. Nice. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had some great guests on lately. We just, uh, just yesterday, uh, I interviewed Michael Chandler oh, just yeah. yesterday. Yeah, sure, of course. So that one will come out here soon. Um, I mean, we've we've had incredible guests come on. So we, I've been pretty fortunate to be able to talk with some very some very cool people that yes. are doing some big things. And Philly, tell the folks how they can support us if they choose to do so. Share the podcast. That's it. That's it. Like it. We don't have any more rash guards. We just gave Ryan our last They're rash guard. They're gone. Sold out. No, it's I'll, most comfortable rash well. guard on earth. So. So, uh, but anyway, if Wait. you guys, what happy birthday, Joe. Oh yeah. Happy birthday, Joe combo or training. One of our training. Partners. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Birthday. Give him the shout out. Happy yeah. birthday, Joe. Yeah. And if you're not out there doing something each and every day to make yourself better, get out there and do it. Ryan, Phil, myself, we all choose jujitsu. We hope you do too. I'm about to feed him to the sharks right now. Get him hyped right now. Yeah. You know the ground is up. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it goes. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game. You're feeling the growth. That's, that's time on the mat. We put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. You know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Let's roll. Let's roll.